Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are continuing our series entitled Upside Down. Upside Down. And uh, this series, I have loved this series because uh, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, so often these paradoxes, these upside down ways of living, they jump out to me. When I read the Bible, they jump off the page and I find that it really intrigues me. And so when we read things uh, like foolishness is wisdom, I love that one, by the way, because hashtag that means I'm wise. but when we read stuff like that, it jumps off the page at us and we're going, man, like, wh- what about that? And it's intriguing and we want to delve deeper into it. And I've loved, loved, loved this series. And this morning, uh, I'm going to be continuing and we're going to be looking at this one. Weakness is strength. Weakness is strength. And so uh, this morning, if you have your Bible, uh, I would love for you to turn to 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 8 to 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't, it's okay, because it should be up on the screen as well, because we got you. Um, We're so glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to it. So, But 2 Corinthians, uh, it it takes place in this, is that there's this uh, apostle, his name is Paul, and basically he starts the Corinthian church, and he's away in this season, and he's writing a letter to them. And and, and the chapter before, he goes on and he talks about all that he's been through recently. And uh, some of the things that he lists is this. He's like, I've had the 39 lashes. I've been beaten with rods. I've been stoned in terms of not like stoned like this day and age, like stoned as in like being thrown rocks at, just to clarify in case there's any confusion. I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked, and I've been imprisoned, and people said stuff about me. And at this stage, I'm like, man, who wants to hang out with Paul? I mean, like, that sounds like a really, really fun time, you know? Like, no, no one's thinking that. He lists, he lists all the, all the things he's been through and his hardships. And right before this verse, basically he's crying out to God because what he describes as a thorn in his flesh. A thorn in his flesh, which is basically, we don't know exactly what it was, but it was something that Paul was going through or a situation or something someone said or whatever it may have been that was really sticking to him and was really uh, creating a heaviness and a burden on his life. And so we pick it up in uh, chap- uh, verse 8 sorry, of chapter 12 and it says this, This is Paul writing, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's that paradox. There's that upside down living. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I I start to think, man, Paul's a little bit weird. Here's why. I'll tell you why. I don't know anyone who enjoys being insulted. Does anyone here enjoy being insulted? Yeah, see, no one. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not hanging around waiting for someone to be like, Dan, your hairline's receding. I know. All right. I don't take pleasure in that. I'm not like, oh, thanks, man. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Yes. That's my third insult for the week. Yes. It's not like we go around and we're like, man, I can't wait to be insulted. Come on, throw it at me. Like you wake up in the morning, man, I wonder what insults people are going to come up with today. It's going to be amazing. It's like such a surprise. 
No one thinks that. No one thinks, man, I'm so looking forward to going through hardships. What? Like, once again, you don't want to hang around Paul. He sounds like the craziest dude. He's like, man, hardships are great. Troubles are amazing. Persecution, bring it on. It's the best day of my life. I'm like, what is going on? And so we've got to start to ask ourselves, man, there's got to be something in the way that Paul lives that's different to how we live. Because if he's going, hey, my weakness for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I welcome and I enjoy when people insult my face hardships for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm, then I'm strong. If we're not living like that, there's got to be something that's out of line with how we're living compared to how Paul was living. There's got to be something that's different. There's got to be something in his life that he's doing differently that turns his weakness into a strength. Because I don't know about you, but I would love to turn my weaknesses into strengths. So this morning, I would love to take some time to delve into a couple of thoughts and, and expand what it means to go from weakness to strength. And the first thing I wanted to let you know this morning is this, is that God is in the business of using weak people. He is in the business of using weak people. I don't know if you know this story. There's a story in the Bible called uh, the story of Samson, right? And uh, I grew up in church, uh, and so I went to Sunday school. And uh, shout out to all the Victory Kids workers, by the way. You guys are incredible and amazing, and we love what you do. Let's give them a quick hand, because you guys are absolutely phenomenal. But I grew up in kids' church, and uh, basically what took place is that you would read these stories like Samson, right? And I don't know, I have a, a quite an active imagination, all right? And so like, I would picture Samson looking a certain way. I would picture Samson with massive muscles and, and shoulders for days and traps like nothing else you've ever seen and biceps as big as my face. And like, I would picture him in a certain way that it'd almost be like Superman, you know, like Superman physique type of thing, you know? And it would be like, that's how I would picture Samson. I'm like, man, he was so strong. And the Bible says that God graced him and anointed him with strength. And it says that he killed a thousand people with a jawbone. What? Like, first, like, side note is that the Bible should be made into an action movie, by the way, because that is awesome. But, like, how, that's how strong, that's how, uh, that's how amazing God's power in him was, is that he was able to kill a thousand enemies with a jawbone. It's nuts. Not even a proper sword. That's how strong he was. And so I always pictured Samson as this guy who had big muscles and was ready to face anyone and went to the gym 14 times a day to grow himself and had a bunch of protein and all that sort of stuff. And then I started to read the story recently. And if you know the story, he basically, the, the, his, his enemies were like, hey, we need to find the source of his strength. And so they go on this whole journey and this routine of trying to find the source of his strength. But let me ask you this. If Samson was a big, strong, muscular man, why would they be wondering where the source of his strength came from? If Samson went to the gym 14 times a day and looked the part, why on earth would his enemies be wondering, hey, where does he get his strength? It would be logical to think that, hey, if you go to the gym, you would get stronger. If you exercise, you would get stronger, which means that, hey, maybe, just maybe, Samson wasn't the muscly man we picture today. Maybe Samson was a little bit more scrawnier than we thought. And all the scrawny people said, Amen. I hear you, Andre. I hear you. Maybe Samson was a little bit weaker than we thought he was. I didn't look the part. Because these are things for when we are weak, then we are strong. God works perfectly in our weakness. And how could God be glorified through someone? who could have got that strength on, on their own. 
God works perfectly. God's strength works perfectly in our weakness. See, not only did Samson have something like that, but there was a man in the Bible called Gideon as well. And Gideon, Gideon helped uh, save the Israelites uh, in part of their journey and help deliver them from all their enemies and all that. And basically what took place is that the Israelites were under captivity at this point in time. And what took place is that an angel of the Lord came and visited Gideon and Gideon was in a wine press threshing wheat because he was so terrified of the people around him that they would steal the wheat that he was threshing. That's how scared he was. And when the angel said, hey, I've called you to deliver Israel, he said, hey, surely not because I am the least of the least of the least. Like you can't get any lower. Like I am the least of the least. Like my family is the least of the least and I am the least of my family is what he says. And yet God goes, no, I have called you. And so he calls him to lead an army. And so Gideon gathers up this army with thousands of men in it. And what takes place is that God goes, hey, you've got too many men. And Gideon's like, God, I don't know if you have the, know how this works, but generally when you go into battle, you want more men. Like, like that's, that's generally how equations work, you know? Like, you know, uh, uh, and God goes, no, you got too many. And he, and he basically goes on this process to narrow it down to 300 men. Gideon and 300 men. I told you it should be an action movie. Just saying. 300 men. And what takes place is that God delivers the enemies to them with Gideon and 300 men. What would consider to be a weak army, God uses to deliver Israel. You all know the story of David and Goliath. This young boy takes on a giant of a man. This man who was, who was constantly in battle and it's David's first one. And he takes him down. Everyone would look at David and go, man, David, you're so weak compared to Goliath. And yet God uses David's weakness to bring him glory and further the kingdom of God. We see in the New Testament, we see this guy named Peter, who's one of the disciples of Jesus. And what takes place is that Peter's probably got the most recorded mistakes in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like Peter's like that guy, like, like if you added up everyone's mistakes that were recorded, Peter's probably got a longer list than everyone else. I'm like, hey, I'll probably be that guy <laughs> like, if I was back then. But he's got all these mistakes and yet Jesus goes to him, hey, I'm going to build my church on you. Then we see this guy named Paul, the apostle, who wrote this letter, by the way, to, in, to Corinthian church. And we see that, I don't know if you know this, but Paul, his job used to be killing Christians. Like, let's put that into, like, perspective for a second. Like, Paul, the man who, like, built a lot of the church and planted churches and wrote letters and wrote a lot of the New Testament, used to kill Christians. If there was anyone that was not qualified to preach the Word of God... <laughs> Probably the guy who's killing all the Christians preaching the Word of God. <laughs> and yet God goes, no, I'm going to use you. See, God is in the business of using weak people to further the kingdom of God. He is in the business all the way through the Bible. And see, the enemy would love, the devil would love to convince us that, hey, you have to hide your weakness because your weakness will stop you from walking into what God has for you. But God is going, hey, I don't want you to hide your weakness. I want you to show it and step into it so that I can do something through it. And so this morning, I wanted to look at some keys of going, cool, how can we transfer our weakness to strength? What does it mean that for when I am weak, then I am strong? When we're going through situations or circumstances, how, what are the keys, what are the things we can put into place and, and put into practice that are going to help us to make that transition that goes, for when I am weak, then I am weak, which we don't want, to for when I am weak, then I am strong. How do we make that swap over? And the first thought is this, that it's more, it's about position over the push. 
position over the push. Now, I know a lot of you uh, may think bad of me for this, but I grew up playing rugby union. Um, I know this is AFL country, and I'm so glad the Crows got up by two points last night. Praise the Lord. What a comeback. But I, I grew up playing rugby union. And I know a lot of people don't get rugby union. Like, you kind of watch it happen, and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, you're just like, it's a bunch of people just tackling each other, and it just looks like, why are they just wrestling on the field? Like, it makes no sense. Like, I know that. I get it. Okay, cool. Come chat to me afterwards. We'll have a conversation. It'll be awesome. But... This is, this is the one quickly thing I realized is that when I stepped onto that field, I was never the biggest player. I was never the strongest player. I was in what they call the forward pack, which is basically the guys who are like the, the guys who huddle together and not the fastest sprinters in the team. You know, it's, a, it's more about like, cool, like we, we support the sprinters in the team so they can do their thing. And you, you guys are looking at me like, no, Dan, really? <laughs> But we're in the forward pack and, and what, what took place, I quickly realized that there were a lot of people bigger than me out there. And if I tried to use brute strength, I would lose every single time. If I tried to just use all my strength and just try and push them, I would lose every time. But what I realized with the help of my coach was this, that it's not about the push as much as it is about your positioning and the technique of how you set yourself. For instance, we have this thing called a scrum, which is basically when the two teams' forward packs meet and they lock and they try and push each other off the ball. And what would take place is that if you have bad technique as a team, you would see the scrum crumple and people fold in on themselves and fall over and they would lose the ball. They would lose possession. But if you went low, you had a straight back, you kept your head up, you curled your toes to give you a little bit more leverage as you push, you would find that as a team, you were able to push people who were potentially stronger than you because your technique was right. So my question to you is this, where are you positioning yourself? How are you positioning yourself? You see, when it comes to transferring from weakness to strength, it's not about how much we push. It's not about how strong we are or what we can do in our own strength. No, no, no. It's about where you're positioning yourself. Are you positioning yourself in God's presence? Are you positioning yourself in prayer every each and every day? Or are you positioning yourself in worship and His Word? Because that is the only place that is going to help us go from weakness to strength. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. It says in 1 Chronicles 16 verse 11, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Seek His face always. I don't know about you, but when I lose my keys, I go to the position where I last had my keys. Anyone done that one? <laughs> you lose your keys, like, where did I last have them? You know? And you go to where you last had them because you wanted to seek it out. In other words, that, hey, when you're trying to find something, you position yourself correctly to find it. So when it talks about, hey, seek God's face always, it's talking about, hey, how do you seek God's face? Where do you position yourself in order to seek God's face? Do you position yourself in His presence or somewhere else? Where do you go where, when you're emotionally low or high? Can I just put this in for a second? Sometimes the enemy will let you succeed a little bit if it's going to distract you from what God's going to call you to do. Sometimes it's not just all the bad things that come at you for attack. Sometimes it's the good things as well. And we got to learn to position ourselves correctly no matter what is going on so that we can make sure that we turn our weakness into strength. We gain our strength from our position in His presence. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this, So do not fear... For I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, we don't have to let fear make our decisions for us. Because it says right there in Isaiah that God has got us and He will strengthen us. So if we position ourselves in His presence, we don't have to worry about doing it ourselves because that verse right there says, He will strengthen you. In other words, hey, when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling tired, instead of just trying and trying and trying, how about positioning yourself in God's presence and declaring what Isaiah says and goes, no, no, no. It says that He will strengthen me. It's about the position over the push. It's up to us to position ourselves. So where have you been positioning yourselves recently? What are you turning to? What are you relying on for your strength? Maybe you're relying on your spouse. Maybe you're relying on your kids. Maybe you're relying on your job. Maybe you're relying on your friends. What are you relying on for your strength? Because I'll tell you what, it may work for a little bit, but it's not going to work forever. The only thing that will be able to give you strength forever is Jesus and us positioning ourselves in His presence each and every single day. It's about the position over the push. But number two, we got to understand that joy leads to endurance. In Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says this, This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, our joy isn't based on our situation. Our joy is based on our King and our God who never changes. He doesn't change yesterday, today, or forever. No, no. We've got to understand to move from weakness to strength, we need to look at things with a joy. We need to wake up each morning with a joy and a spring in our step and a, and a glint in our eye that goes, man, I'm so thankful that God has placed me in Australia. The best country ever. I'm so grateful that He gave me air to breathe and a, and a roof over my head. And I'm so grateful that He has placed me in possibly the best church ever. Come and celebrate with us on the 5th of July, 25 years. It's going to be awesome. Small plug. We've got, we got, we got to look at things with a joy in our life. We've got to get our joy back. I think so often we let go of our joy too easily and all of a sudden we find that our strength starts to disappear because we've lost sight of the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you want to be strong, be joyous. Joy sees purpose in everything. It becomes curious and not cynical. Don't look at things going, oh, I know how this is going to turn out. Go, man, what happens if God could? Joy sees purpose in everything. Joy is infectious and brings life and light, not only to your world, but the world around you as well. And the people around you. Have you ever met one of those people that just makes you happy? Does anyone know one of those people that's just like you hang around them and it just makes you like feel happy? I have someone in my life like that, and it's one of my, my, my great friends, one of my best friends, and his name is Morgan Hancock. You would know him quite well. He stands up here and leads worship a lot of the time. That dude is infectious with his joy. I mean, like sometimes I'm like, come on, man, like turn it down a little bit. But like, ultimately, I'm so grateful because I need that in my life. I need someone who's going to get around me and go, Dan, hey, come on, lift your head. Hey, how good is God? And I'm like, Morgan, I don't want to hear it. And he's like, no, nah, how good is God, Dan? And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. All right, cool. And he's like, no, nah, how good is God? I'm like, yeah, no, he's, he's, yeah, God's good. Yeah, cool. And all of a sudden, I've got friends around me who aren't just so focused on their world, but they want to bring joy into my world. 
Because what Morgan understands is that, hey, when I'm joyous, I'm relying on God's strength. Because joy is a decision, not a feeling. Joy is not based on how you feel, it's based on what you decide. It's not based on how you feel, it's based on what you decide. See, joy allows you to see everything as it could be, not as it is right now. Joy allows you to see everything as it could be, not as it is right now. In other words, hey, if you're going through something, if you're going through something hard and you're feeling weak or, or maybe you're just feeling weak and life's just gotten to you or whatever it may be, hey, I wanted to let you know, maybe you're walking through that thing because God has got someone who's walked through the exact same situation that He wants you to minister to. And so we got to start looking at things going, man, what could it be like, not just at what is it right now? Joy lifts our perspective up to see a heavenly perspective, not just an earthly one. Joy gives us a what if, what if mentality. As in like, not what if God doesn't show up, but what if God does show up? Man, what happens if today's the day that my friend meets Jesus? What happens if the prayers I've been praying for that person get answered today? Man, what if God shakes that person's world up today? What if God does a miracle in my life? What if I receive that healing that I've been praying for? What if I, my family comes to know Him today? What if? Because joy leads to endurance. Joy will be the thing that helps you gain your strength and goes from weakness to strength. It's not a feeling, it's a decision. Not only do we need to understand that it's about the position over the push and that joy leads to endurance, but as the keys come up, I want to let you know this. In order to go understand and go, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong, then we, we have to know this, that we've got to hold on to hope. We've got to hold on to hope. It says this in Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe you're feeling this morning that, hey, you've tried and you're going, Dan, I positioned myself and I had joy. I'm just feeling weak at the moment. I want to say, hey, grab a hold of hope again. Because in order to renew your strength, you've got to grab a hold of the hope that is found in Jesus. The hope of the Lord will renew your strength. When we get tired, when we get weary, it says in that verse, even young men grow weary. When we get tired, hey, instead of turning to something else, let's, let's turn back to hope. Let's grab a hold of hope. Because that will renew our strength more than anything else. You've got to hold on to the hope. It means that we rely on Him, that we trust in Him. It means that we understand that He is bigger than us. It means that we understand that He is bigger than our situation. 
It says in Psalm 46, verse 1 to 3, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging, for He is an ever-present help and strength, an ever-present help and strength. In other words, He never leaves you. We just sometimes let go of Him. He never leaves us, nor forsakes us. He is an ever-present help. But maybe we've just let go of hope. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're here on planet Earth, God's got something in for you, in store for you, sorry. He's got something in store for you. If you're here, you are not done with your mission just yet. If you're here, He's got more people He wants you to reach. If you're here, He's got more of a difference for you to make in the world of people around you. And I think that some of us need to remember that, hey, that our God is a big God. And the Bible says this, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has in store for those who love Him. In other words, hey, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. And I know that I have so much of life left to experience. I know that I have so much ups and downs waiting ahead of me. I know that. But what I never want to lose is that hope that says, hey, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. No matter what I walk through, no matter what I journey through, I am not done yet. I want to hold on to hope because when I hope in God, He renews my strength. He renews my strength. Not me. He does. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I don't know if you're feeling tired or not, but what I want to encourage you is, hey, grab a hold of hope again. Let's hope big again. Let's dream big again. God has wanted to use you in your world to make a difference, to be a light. The Bible says that we are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You know what that means? It means we're called to shine bright and be the flavor to the world around us. The Bible times they used to use salt as a preservation, but also flavor. Man, how cool would that be if we could be the flavor to the people around us because of what Jesus has done in us? Because we understand that for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'd love for you guys to stand with me this morning. Let's hope again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. All things work together for the good. Hey, what you're walking through, like I said before, maybe you're walking through it because someone's waiting for you to help them through it. And God's going, hey, I give my greatest battles to my greatest warriors. So if you're feeling weak right now, that's all right. But let's hope again. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 